0: You open your Bibles tonight to Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 13. I ran across a little quote yesterday. I liked it. It says here, when He first breathed into us in Genesis, He gave us His life. And then when He released His last breath for us on the cross, He gave us eternal life. Aren't you glad that He did? Amen? Amen. So we want to center in on one of the greatest exchanges that has taken place. Of course, he was made sin with our sinfulness that we might be made righteous with his righteousness. But I just kind of felt led of the Lord to center in on our rejection for his acceptance. Amen. In Ephesians, the second chapter in the 13th verse, it says, but now in Christ Jesus, you who sometimes were far off, Are made nigh by the blood of Christ. So if you are born again, you are in Christ Jesus, and Christ Jesus is in you. So at Calvary, Jesus takes our rejection and our alienation, taking it upon himself. In exchange, he offers to us complete and utter acceptance by the Father. Hallelujah. And so our alienation from Christ was nailed on the cross of Christ. Now you'll notice over here some scriptures concerning that. In Colossians chapter 1 verse 21 and 22 it says, And you that were sometime alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now has he reconciled in the body of his flesh through death. Through his death. To do what? To present you holy and unblameable and unreprovable. Where? In his sight. Then of course from Isaiah 53 and verse 3. That great substitutionary uh, chapter in the Bible. Says he is despised and rejected of men. A man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. Amen. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised, and yet we esteemed him not. So he was rejected of men. He was a man of sorrows. The scripture says that he was acquainted with grief. Now, if you are an individual here this evening, and you've been battling grief in any regard in your life, Grief has to do with loss. It not only has to do with the loss of a loved one, but it could also have to do with the loss of a job. Or kind of a loss of a sense of peace, or perhaps the loss of a mate in a divorce. Well, Jesus bore our grief for us. And so, I think it's important for us then to understand and realize... That just as he was wounded for our transgressions, and just as he was pierced for our sickness and disease, he was also pierced for your grief. Amen? Amen? So that's something, you know, we don't really need to put up with. Oftentimes we do put up with it because it's something that the enemy likes to accommodate into the soul of a person's life now don't misunderstand me there's going to be a sense of loss there's going to be a sense of grief if you will for a period of time but you don't have to put up with it long term if there is any grief it ought to be short term and so I think it's important then to understand that we can shut the door on grief just like we can shut the door on sin just like we can shut the door on fear give the enemy no place Because grief will eat your lunch, your breakfast, your dinner, and your buttered popcorn at night. So Jesus then is the stone which the builders rejected. Luke says this of him. He said, I must suffer many things and be rejected by this generation. So we're laying this foundation that he was rejected on our behalf. Now going over to 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9, we're going to unpack that, verse 9 and 10, for the balance of the evening, and we are going to see some glorious things that are now ours by virtue of the fact that he was rejected so you could be accepted look at First Peter chapter 2 and verse 9 and I'm going to and 10 and I'm going to look at it from the New King James Version that's First Peter chapter 2 verse 9 and verse 10 he says but you are a number one a chosen generation number two a royal priesthood number three a holy nation. Number four, His own special people. Chosen, royal, holy, special. That's you, and that's me. Now notice the rest of the verse. That you may proclaim the praises of Him who has called you out of darkness into His marvelous light. Who once were not a people, but now are the people of God. But now, because you are in Christ Jesus, you are of God. Who had not obtained mercy, but number five, but now have obtained mercy. Say with me I'm chosen, I'm I'm royal, I'm royal. I'm I'm holy, I'm special. And I have his mercy. Man, that'll, that'll set your feet to dancing. I did some dancing out in the backyard today. <laughs> Praise the Lord. I didn't feel like it, but I started dancing out in the patio. It was fun. Somebody says, the neighbors see you? I don't know, but I hope so. So number one, we are a chosen people, which says to us that we are completely accepted. Again, he suffered deep rejection so that we could enjoy his presence. Now, a great verse of scripture, you ought to know this verse, and you ought to have this verse in your heart and on your lips. This ought to be a part of your regular vocabulary, because it is part of the language of the redeemed. The language of the redeemed is a language that we learn from our Redeemer. We learn it from this holy book. Yeah. Now Ephesians 1.6 says this. To the praise of the glory of His grace, wherein He has made us accepted in the Beloved. All right. Now let's say that a couple of times. I am, I am accepted, accepted in, the in the Beloved. What does this mean? This means that we can absolutely... Enjoy fellowship, we can enjoy the presence of God because that's who we are and that's where we belong. You are completely accepted. Completely accepted. You know, many people spend a lot of their lives trying to earn acceptance, trying to earn acceptance from mom and dad, trying to earn acceptance from the kids on the playground trying to earn acceptance as we grow older, trying to earn acceptance from those people whom we respect. Now, the drive to be accepted influences people in different manners, in the clothes they wear, in the kind of cars that they buy, perhaps the kind of home they would live in, or the kind of career that they may choose. You know, people buy... And do some crazy, crazy things to trying to earn acceptance. But acceptance is a free gift; it's already yours. Yes. And when we get an understanding and a revelation of this, this does major, major things for our self-worth. Yes. Till Osborne said many years ago. I don't know whether it was down at John Osteen's church when Brenda and I were a little bit younger. One of the things that T.L. said is the body of Christ needs a rebirth of self-worth. And our self-worth is not based on ourself, but it's based on himself. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So it does a lot for you when you get this in your spirit. You know, if you've ever been chosen for an award or chosen for an honor or chosen for some sort of a promotion, it, it does something for you. It really did something for me when Brenda chose me over others. Didn't it f- do something for you guys? How about you, when, when she cho- She could have had a pick of many people, but she chose you. Here's the good news, guys. You've been chosen by God. So why then are you completely accepted? Because God chose you from before the foundation of the earth. Listen, guys. Before the sun, before the moon, before the stars, before Maui. Maui's nice. Before Maui, he chose you. Someone says, Give me a scripture. I'm glad you asked. Ephesians 1, chapter 4. Ephesians, the first chapter, the fourth verse says this According as he has chosen us in him, before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy, and I love this, without blame before him in love. Before the birds chirped, He made you accepted in Him. Why are you totally acceptable? Because Jesus made you that way. There's a verse, and I'll just quote it to you. It says, Jesus treated us much better than we deserve. He made us acceptable to God and gave us the hope of eternal life. This acceptance is not based on On your performance. It will impact your performance. It will impact the way that you walk. It will impact the way that you talk, talk. But it is not based on your good looks. It's not based on your works. It's based on the work that Jesus did. In his substitutionary sacrifice. When he went to the cross spirit soul and body. For you and for me. And I think we should praise Him for it. I think we ought to stir ourselves up just a little bit tonight. And I think we ought to just give Him some glory. Give glory to Yourself, Lord, through our lives. Give glory to Yourself through what You've done for us, Lord. Give glory to Yourself in this place tonight. Hallelujah! Amen. This is the message of the cross. This is the message that we carry so dearly in our heart. Secondly, Peter also said as we look at our text that you are a holy nation. That you are his own special people. A people belonging to God. What this means to us is this means that you are extremely valuable. You are not only accepted in the beloved but in his sight you are are priceless what is it that makes something valuable well value it depends on who owns it if you go to an auction something that's owned by a celebrity is going to go for more than something that's owned by regular Joe down the street Cars owned by Elvis are much more worth than yours. Basketball shoes owned by LeBron James or Mark Thomas or Michael Jordan. Oops. A bed used by President Lincoln is worth more than a fork used by me. You see, the owner adds value to common things. Who do you belong to? Who do you belong to? Deuteronomy says it like this. You are a people holy to the Lord your God. Listen to this. You are his treasured possession. Say that with me. I am his treasured possession. I am his purchased possession. No one values you more than your father. Isaiah says it this way God says, You're precious to me. Why are we extremely valuable? Two reasons. Number one, because God is our Father. He said over there in Luke, look at the birds. I feed them and you're better than a bird. Look at the lilies of the field, I clothe them. How much more shall I clothe you? How much more shall I shelter you? How much more shall I hold you in my arms? The Father says to us tonight, don't be afraid, little flock. It's your Father's great pleasure to give you the kingdom. Hallelujah. It's your Father's great pleasure to give you righteousness and peace and joy. It's your Father's good pleasure to meet your need, to heal your body. Amen? Amen. Can you shout glory? glory? Hallelujah. We are extremely valuable, number one, because God is our Father Number two, because Jesus gave His life for us I want you to look at 1 Corinthians chapter 6 Verses 19 and 20 And I think we'll go ahead and read that together tonight Thank God you've been bought with a price Hallelujah Brenda's been doing such a great job on Sunday nights Preaching on the blood I'm telling you, man We need a greater understanding of how precious the blood is. And then be pleading the blood in our daily prayer life. Pleading the blood over our lives and over our nation and over our loved ones. We got on the freeway the other day and I said, I plead the blood of Jesus over our automobile in Jesus' name. We need to be blood of Jesus conscious. God inside minded. Amen? Now, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 19 and 20. Let's read it together. Ready? Read. What? Know you not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which you have of God, and you are not your own? Verse 20. For you are bought with the price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, So pay particular attention to that phrase, for you are bought with a price. Value depends on what someone is willing to pay for it. How much is your house worth? Well, it's worth exactly what someone's willing to pay for it. I mean, certainly you can get appraisals and... You know, they can appraise a plot of land like this with a building on it, but it's only worth what someone's willing to pay for it. And it ain't for sale. Hallelujah. A piece of art. A baseball card. Mickey Mantle from the 60s. How how valuable is it? It's only as valuable as someone's willing to pay for it. Someone... Uh, hits a marker home run, a 500th home run, or a 600th home run, or <laughs> breaks a certain record. That baseball's worth a lot of money. That's right. How much are you worth? That's right. Look at the cross. The ransom, the greatest ransom ever paid. Was paid for you by Jesus. God exchanged his own son. Christ gave his life. Thirdly, we see from 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9 and 10 that we are eternally loved. Say it with me, I am eternally loved. You know what eternally loved means? That means forever. God will never change his mind. Hallelujah. He loves us with an eternal love. Again, Peter says, once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Think about it. This has just profound implications. This has profound meaning. You know what that says because you're eternally loved? God says, I'm not ashamed of you. I'm not ashamed of my family. As a matter of fact, I want you to see this verse. We'll slow down just a little bit. Look at Hebrews, the second chapter in the 11th verse. And let's notice this in the New Living Translation, but you can open your Bible and and they'll get it up there. Hallelujah. Aren't you glad He's not ashamed of you? He sees the best in you. He believes the best for you hallelujah Hebrews the second chapter the eleventh verse look up at the screen if you would and let's read it together so now Jesus and the ones he makes holy have the same father that is why Jesus is not ashamed to call them he's not ashamed to call you his brother. He's not ashamed, gals, ladies, to call you his sisters. Jeremiah says it like this. He says, I've loved you, my people, with everlasting love. With an unfailing love have I drawn myself to you. Hallelujah. There's a couple characteristics about God's love that we need to talk about just for a moment. Number one, God's love is unconditional. I said, God's love for you is unconditional. I think that's shouting ground. God's love for me, God's love for you is unconditional. He's not ashamed to call you his brother, He's not ashamed to call you his sister. It's unconditional. It's not one of these, I love you if. That's human love. Honey, I love you if you make beef stroganoff for me tonight. (laughs) (laughs) Sweetheart, I love you if you buy me that new ring. That's conditional. God's love is un- Whoo, I'm glad it is. Because God took this mess and made a message out of him. But between the mess and the message, there were some things. And that's all I'm going to say about that. It's not, I love you if. It's, I love you, period. Period. (laughs) Hallelujah That same love that the Father loves us with And loves Jesus with Is on the inside of us So number one, say it with me The love of God God. For me me. Is unconditional unconditional. And here's another side of it It is consistent Mm -hmm. It's consistent It's not fickle It's not unpredictable. We never have to go before the throne of grace and say, Now, Father, will you love me today? Uh -uh. There's never a question about his love for you. His love never fails. We sang it tonight. It never wears out. Amen. And so I think it'd be good for us to exercise some faith in his love faith in His love. Act as if He loves us. How does one act as if, as if God loves them? They act on everything that He said to them. Amen. You see, your Father is upholding the entire universe by the word of His power. And since He's doing that, He certainly can uphold you in your mind. He can uphold you in your body. He can even cause your PG&E bill to be paid on time. He's the upholder. He is consistent. He said, I am the Lord, your God, and I don't change. He said, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. I'll never leave you without help. I'll never leave you without hope. I've got a grip on you. Look at your neighbor and say, "God's grip, God's grip, don't slip." It don't slip. Hallelujah! I learned that from Billy Graham's song leader. I love that. Say with me, "God's grip, God's grip, it don't slip." It don't slip. Never doubt His love. Hallelujah. There is no fear in love. There's no fear. Fear does not exist when you have this understanding and this revelation that He loves you unconditionally and that He loves you consistently. Hallelujah! If He met your need last year, He'll meet your need this year. If you will just align yourself with His plan and His perfect will. Amen? Why am I eternally loved? Because God is love. And His faithfulness, it endures forever. Hallelujah. Fourthly, you're totally forgiven. Peter says again, At one time you did did not know God's mercy, but now you have received His mercy. You know something? Before God made you, he already knew the worst things you'd do. And he still loves you. He did not fall off his throne when you got drunk and rolled that car over. Well, does that mean that, you know, I, I'm going to go to heaven. And I can do all these things and live like the devil. No, we're not talking about the gospel of inclusion. Which you have to watch out for. Which says there is no hell and there is no devil. That's a lie straight from the pit of hell. But you know, when you love God and you know He loves you, you're just going to want to walk with Him. You're just going to want to walk in the light. You know, I've discovered this, and when I violate light, I'm I'm not the first one that knows about it, but I know about it. I understand that, because I get this little scratching on the inside. Ooh, You shouldn't have said that. You, you, you shouldn't have honked your horn at that person that was texting. You, you just know in your heart by the Spirit of God convicting your spirit. Can anyone tell me what you do when you know you've failed and missed it? this phrase is so real to me Kenneth Copeland said it years ago and by the way he's going to be in Sacramento in the month of May it's going to be an awesome historic meeting if you can be there be there it's going to be awesome but here's what Kenneth said years ago he said when you miss it don't run from God why would you want to run from love why would you want to run from mercy he says when you fail and if you miss it don't run from God but do what run to God. Run to God. And you'll find that those everlasting arms are open. Hallelujah. What do you do when you fail? What do you do when you miss the mark? What do you do when you violate light? You admit it. You admit it. And you ask God to forgive you. Amen? Amen. Well, I don't need to ask God to forgive him. He's already forgiven me. Yes, logistically, he has already forgiven you, but he's wanting you to go to the throne of grace and get cleansing by the blood of Jesus so you can stay in good fellowship with him. Oh, now that's good preaching right there. 1 John 1.9 says it like this. If we confess our sins, he is what? Faithful. He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from what? All unrighteousness. See what sin does, if it's left unchecked, it brings condemnation into our lives. The condemnation is not coming from the Christ, the condemnation is coming from the enemy. And condemnation, listen to this statement, is the confidence killer. People that are sin conscious and feeling bad about themselves, they're not going to have effectual prayer. The Bible says that the effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man, what does it do? It availeth much, it makes tremendous power available. Amen? Amen. That's why faith in His love is so good. Amen. I remember back when I checked myself into the treatment center back in uh, October of 1974 at Wilmer State Hospital in Minnesota... Um, I was a mess. My hair was down to here. I was about 140 pounds. I was addicted from the crown of my head to the soles of my feet. Not only that, but I had a bunch of demons. And I didn't really know it. Because that's just what you did. And I can remember going to see Lyle Pearson, who was a drug counselor at that specific uh, treatment center. He was a spirit-filled Christian. And he was one of the first people that I... Had talked to. I didn't know that he was a spirit-filled Christian until months later when I got spirit-filled and I saw him at a meeting. <laughs> Amen. But Lyle was a gentle giant. He was a great man of God, and and uh, he. I was in the office and I was having to go through the withdrawal soon, and they were going to give me methadone for maybe three days just to try to hold me off a little bit and and uh, a little bit of Valium and so forth and so on. But anyway, uh, I can remember being in his office and he told me about Christ. And he told me about the cross. And he told me that Jesus loves me and that Jesus forgave me. I can remember it to this day. My problem was, I couldn't forgive myself. I couldn't, I was not yet in a place to really hear that here. I heard it here. But it wasn't very long what I heard here dropped down here. And I understood that he really did forgive me. And I can remember, you know, they they used to do uh, group therapy in the treatment center. (laughs) And they did a certain type of therapy called gestalt therapy, kind of worldly. And uh, there was a time where my counselor asked me a question and I said, you know, I kind of flubbed up here and flubbed up there. He says, how does that make you feel? He says, Act out how that makes you feel. So I took a chair and I kicked it. Kicking my own self. Representative. Then I went and sat down. I'll never forget, Gary looked at me. Sullivan looked at me and said, Well, aren't you going to pick it up? Representing, you failed, you missed it. But it's now time to pick yourself up. Well, aren't you glad when you failed and you missed it and you received forgiveness? Hallelujah. Christ picks you up. He picks you up. Hallelujah. And so I got, a, I got an understanding of forgiveness over the process of time. And then I was able to forgive myself because of the blood of Jesus. Say it with me. Because of the blood, I am totally forgiven. Hallelujah. Here's the good news, guys. In Christ, your sins are wiped out. And that's grace. You know, when some Christians have problems, they think, God's getting even with me. Does God really treat His children that way? Is God out to get even with us? So that we're even, Stephen? No, that's what the cross was all about. The sacrifice was made. The mercy has been extended. He's not out to get even with us. He's out to raise us up, to lift us up as sons and heirs of God and joint heirs with Jesus Christ. I say to you by the word of the Lord, there is therefore now no condemnation. Woo, glory. God doesn't hold grudges. God doesn't rehearse it. He releases it. Why are you totally forgiven? Number one, because it's God's nature to forgive. Isaiah said it this way, I even I am he that blotteth out thy transgressions for my own sake. And I will not even remember your mess anymore. Jesus paid the price. Here's the word tonight. For by the blood of Jesus Christ, you are set free. Your sins are forgiven. And that's the grace of God. So how then should this impact our lives? It should affect us greatly. But you know what? It can impact and affect us in how we see others and how we treat others we can extend the same grace and the same mercy and the same forgiveness by which we have received it. Amen. The master said, freely you have received. Accept one another just as Christ accepted you. Show respect for everyone. Because of his deep love and concern for you, we should practice tender-hearted mercy and kindness to others. Stand up, everybody. Forgive one another. Come on. Just as God, for Christ's sake, has forgiven you. I rest my case. Jesus is alive. Jesus is good. He lives on the inside of you and you are holy, you are special, you are priceless. Glory to God. You are forgiven. Amen. Hallelujah. I think we ought to sing something before we go. It's 831. We're getting out a little early tonight so we can get some chairs here. But you know what? I'm thanking God for this message. Put your hand over your heart and say, I receive this message in my heart. I thank you, Master, for your great love toward me. I'm with, you. I'm with you. You're with me. You're with me. Therefore, nothing Therefore, nothing is, impossible. It is impossible. There are that are impossible. There are things that are impossible with men, with men. but I'm with God. You get it? Yes. I'm with God. Yes. I'm not siding in with the impossibilities with man. I'm siding in with the possibilities of God. Because that's who I'm with. Hallelujah. God's with you. Are you with him? With God, all things are possible. Remember years ago, Billy Brim preached a message. Whose side are you on? I'm on the Lord's side. He's on our side. But we need to get over on his side Amen. oh hallelujah say it with me with God, with God. I am of God, I am God. And I am with God and I am with God and there are no are no impossibilities no. Hallelujah hallelujah, hallelujah.